Hey everybody, it's an Against Saturdays episode of Against Everyone with Connor Beeb. Every Saturday I bring you a solo, kind of informal episode of the show where it's just me talking about ideas that I have in sort of development in my mind, <laughs> um, things that I like or don't like, things that have pissed me off in the news, <laughs> or maybe something personal that's going on in my life that uh, I think might have interest to others. Um Please support the show, patreon.com forward slash Connor Beeb. Uh, your contributions keep it going. Today, I'm going to talk about uh, the left and sex work. Um, last time I talked about, last Saturday, I talked about the left and what it gets wrong about witches. Now, the left does not always get sex work wrong. Um, there are lots of uh, sex workers who are leftists, for instance. There are also lots of sex workers who are libertarians. Um, which you might not exactly call leftist, although some people might. Um, but what I think, uh, I think that there are also lots of leftists who are not sex workers who have the right idea about sex work. But um, aside from this leftists who are just vehemently anti-sex work and claim to be leftists, there are plenty of those, um, there's also a really sort of sneaky way in which leftists are anti-sex work. And one of the reasons why this is on my mind is that I just released an article about this on Mary Jane. That's M-E-R-R-Y-J-A-N-E dot com. Uh, it's linked to on my Patreon for all my patrons, um, but it is called The Problem with Sex Work is Work, and it's a conversation between me and Dr. Heather Berg, who is a gender studies professor at USC, who I've done some work with before, um, and who eventually will probably be on the main show. Um, so it's on my mind for that reason. Heather and I, in that article, we discuss the ways in which leftists who are socialists say things like, okay, well, all work is terrible. All work is non-consensual because it's a demand made by the state. Um, therefore, since all non-consensual sex is rape, sex work falls into the non-consensual realm, and so sex work is rape. And it's horrible, or it's you know tied to patriarchal uh, desire systems, the way that patriarchal desires are constructed, and so therefore it's horrible. We sort of pull apart why, especially the former claim, uh, is kind of bullshit, you know, and the very simple way of saying it, um, the way I say it in that, in that article is that, look, our relation to wages, the, the wage relationship is non-consensual, that's true, but the content of what we do to deal with that wage relationship is not non-consensual. That's something else. Because like all political struggles are, you know, happen within a sort of non-consensual political field. Like, you know, if, uh, <laughs> if someone decides that they want to bulldoze your entire neighborhood and reclaim it for the state, well, you would fight against it, right? But the content of the fight and the way you strategize that fight and the way you decide to run that resistance is not the point that we would critique and say is non-consensual. We would say the framework within which you have to fight is non-consensual. Um, you know, or just to put it more plainly, people who 
work at banks or people who are football players or people who are movie stars. Um, they're all engaging in a non-consensual wage relationship as well, which is demanded by the state. You have to work or you will die. You have to work or you'll starve to death. Work or watch your kids die, all that sort of stuff. But the ways and strategies in which you engage with that non-consensual system are up to you. Um, and there's so much about our culture that is non-consensual that we don't consent to. It's money um, or you know, traffic, like stop signs or <laughs> whatever it may be. I, I talk about this a lot on an episode of, uh, a of against everyone with Connor Beebe, uh, called, uh, how to break up with a state. I think it's called, uh, or we deserve better, but you know, so sex work isn't anything different than all these other strategies. It's just that people's view of sex is conditioned in a certain way to make them think that it is. Um, I, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, um, culminating socialist anger at sex work and people that were held a positive view of sex work, uh, this year. And part of that is because whether you know it or not, there is this thing called, uh, SESTA or FOSTA. I hope that you know about it because you follow me, but uh, it's the Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act or the Stop Enabling Sex Traffickers Act, which has had a really negative effect on people who are doing sex work uh, consensually, consensual sex work, um, <laughs> or who have chosen the strategy of consensual sex work in a non-consensual work field, <laughs> if you want to say it that way. Um, but um, and the reason why is because the law conflates sex trafficking with sex work, and that is largely the fault of a lot of uh, second wave feminists, feminists of a certain time that said that all sex work was rape um, before the socialists got to it, uh, <laughs> although some of them use socialist explanations. Um, and so there's all this SESTA-FOSTA stuff going on, and sex workers resisted. And in that resistance found a lot of vocal and visible alliance with socialist groups, like the Democratic Socialist um, organizations in different cities, you know, Bernie Bros, basically. And, you know, I was on this really big podcast called Chapo Trap House, which is a really big Democratic Socialist podcast, um, <clears throat> the highest rated Patreon, I think, on Patreon. <laughs> Um, and like a really visible leftist media, there are a lot of people, a lot of sex workers that were showing up in these uh, sort of bigger socialist spaces to talk about the issue. And so, of course, there's a lot of backlash um, from socialists that wanted to hold on to this idea of sex work being especially bad work. Um, but it's not especially bad work. Um, in fact, it's closer in my experience to not to evading the wage relationship system um, than any other kind of work I've done and uh, direct and and so direct service sex work is uh, is even more more so than porn sort of an evasion of the wage re labor relationship Heather and I talk about all this in the article so you can go check that article out. And I realize I'm throwing a lot of like 
terms and history shit at you. But basically, the point is there is some animosity between leftists and sex workers, even though lots of sex workers are leftists. One of the other ways in which they do it, and I was really surprised, and this is the real reason why it's on my mind, um, is they create a sort of cognitive, they, the leftists, create a sort of cognitive dissonance when it comes to sex work, and particularly to pornography. So I was reading a book, a new book by Mari Rudy. Mari Rudy is a critical theorist. Um, She writes a lot about uh, psychoanalysis. Um, and I think she teaches at University of Toronto. And, you know, she's someone I had some respect for uh, until yesterday. Um, I still have some respect for her, but <clears throat> it really uh, fell apart yesterday because I was reading her new book, um, which is called Penis Envy, where she sort of reinvestigates Freud's concept of penis envy, which I think is actually a really noble pursuit. I think that the idea that Freud was sexist, well, Freud himself was probably sexist, but the idea that psychoanalysis is sexist because it has terms like penis envy and castration, I think that those terms are not actually understood uh, very well, and that really what psychoanalysis and Freud sought to do was to pathologize maleness, to pathologize the sort of phallocentric nature of our culture, and that was misinterpreted as saying that everybody you know, wants to have a dick, but that's, that's not what he was saying at all. Um, and we'll probably talk about this. I'm doing in the against everyone salon, uh, that's in January, we're talking about psychoanalysis. So if you are a patron at the $10 level or up, um, you can be part of that conversation, uh, with the community about, um, psychoanalysis and why it's really needed today. But anyway, in her book, she has a chapter on porn, which she uses creates this word heteroporn. Maybe she didn't create it, but she uses this term heteroporn, just all one word, like it's a an internet password or something. And um, just goes on and on about how sexist it is, undeniably sexist, and how it's uh, all about the gaze of the male and what the male wants, and you know how when her students come into the class, you know, she feels almost embarrassed that, you know, they're coming in and sitting down and she knows that they've looked at this kind of porn. (laughs) And, you know, the really weird thing is like the rest of the book is okay. You know, what I read, I read up to that part and uh, then I just decided I was going to stop. The rest of the book is fine. She's a fine thinker. Um, But, In this chapter, you know, in all the other ones, she's like engaging with all these other uh, thinkers, philosophies, theories, ideas. But in this chapter, she's like, I talked to this guy, let's just call him Rick. And he was so uh, adamant about his right to watch pornography, even if his girlfriend didn't like it. And I was totally exasperated. And like, she just makes up this phony conversation, which, you know, it's who knows what her interpretation of the conversation was and what actually happened in the conversation. But this is a common move for people that want to denounce porn and sex work, especially and claim their leftism at the same time is engage with theories, engage with theories, engage with big ideas, engage with, you know, people who are really able to articulate a position. And when it comes to porn and sex work, I just talked to some teenage boys and a guy who watches porn. So in other words, like the standard 
of engagement completely changes. Um, and I don't think they know that they do this. And part of it is because people think that because sex is told uh, to us to be a uh, intimate personal thing, that all that is needed to pronounce judgment on it is personal experience. But like anything, that is not so. The personal experience is important, and you have to bring that to bear to your critical analysis, but it's not all there is. Um, and it, it's really important to have people that can actually articulate uh, <laughs> what it is about porn and sex work that make them significant in our culture and, and how to understand those phenomena. So uh, to sort of deal with this, instead of really, again, engaging with any theorists other than she engages with one book a little bit, Testo Junkie, and I think she misrepresents the author's points, actually, uh, in that book. It's an excellent book. Um, she, oh, whose name I don't know that I'm going to be able to pronounce right, so just look up T Testo Junkie, the last name. I feel like I'm always pronouncing it improperly. Um, so instead of, uh, so, so the way that she bolsters all this is she just says, uh, I'm not anti-sex. Nothing could be farther than the truth. I am not anti-sex. And she says it again and again, she states it. And this is also a very common, but I'm not anti-sex. Uh, I just think that sex should happen between two loving individuals. That's where it always goes. And that's where it goes in Mari Ruti's book, because she says, you know, this guy, Rick, that she talked to, Rick, <laughs> Um, who knows what her uh, psychoanalytic unconscious association with that name is or why she chose it. Um, but she says, uh, she states that um, Rick, you know, wanted to watch porn even though his girlfriend didn't want him to. And wasn't that horrible? Didn't he understand he had to make choices uh, and, and that these choices had consequences? Well, n no. One could easily say that you know, his girlfriend um, could encounter Rick who likes pornography and needs to make, you know, that choice to give up her distaste for it, um, which actually seems healthier to me because that's a little bit more about, you know, controlling and monitoring somebody's behavior uh, on her part that she would want to give that up. But instead, you know, Mariruti, she says, oh, well, uh, you know, he, Rick just kept saying, that's just how guys are. Well, of course, if Rick is an inarticulate person when it comes to sex and porn, at least as inarticulate as Mari Ruti herself, then he's not going to be able to present real reasons why it's important to be able to access sexual imagery. But this is all a little bit besides the point. My real point is that we start with Mariruti, and I'm using her as representative of other people um, like Chris Hedges, uh, who also has sort of good leftist politics, but then just loses the plot completely when it comes to sex work and pornography. Um, there are plenty of other people like this. Um, the, the, the thing that happens, and when I say the cognitive dissonance or whatever, is like they start from an assumed politic leftism, which they think can be easily applied to sex and sexuality and pornography. And therefore, they don't have to investigate the phenomena of sex and sexuality and pornography itself. Not really. 
when it comes to sex, sex work, and pornography. So even though Mario Ricci's book, Penis Envy, obviously there are explorations of sex um, in it, when it comes to sex itself, and certainly sex work and pornography, she's not really doing much work there. And I'm not saying she doesn't do that in other, uh, in other of her books, or other of her thinking, she does. But it's telling to me that the idea is, as I approach pornography, instead of taking it seriously and considering it, I fall back into leftist politics, which have never seriously examined pornography. Never. They have never tried to grapple with it in a real way that looks at pornography on its own terms and takes it in as a phenomenon that has been here with us. In fact, the oldest art we've ever discovered has sexual imagery in it, right? Um, Or try to examine it uh, from a standpoint of meaning, as anthropologists might do, or try to examine it um, from its uh, history and culture, as, you know, some, some people do. A guy named Walter Kern wrote a good book about porn in that regard. Walter Kern, am I right about that? I'm glad I'm sitting in front of my computer because I can look him up. Do you hear me typing? Um, anyway, I think it's Walter Kern. <laughs> now, I th- now I think I'm getting it wrong. <laughs> anyway, The Secret Museum. Go find it. Um, and when they approach, they, they don't ever really approach they stay in their leftist politics. So this is why on the last episode when I was talking about queer theorists and Marxists or whatever, I would say, like, you don't really understand witches or witchcraft by looking through a Marxist lens. You learn more about Marxism, which is great. You can use witches as an inspiration to explore your own Marxist ideals. But when you think that that tells us something about Mar- about witches, you're incorrect. Or when you're doing queer theory and you're looking at sex, you often learn a lot about queer theory, which is great. You can use queer theory in a lot of ways, but does it really apply to sex? And in the same way, you know, Rudy Murray's, I mean, or Murray, Murray Rudy's uh, analysis, I mean, she she doesn't even really do anywhere. I mean, this, this chapter is really embarrassingly bad. It's so bad. But um, she doesn't say anything about pornography or sex work or even really sex in this chapter. She just falls back into a sort sort of presumed leftist position, the sort of correct way to view sex and and sex work. And she uses really old arguments too, um, arguments that have been sort of discarded, looked past, worked through by people that are smarter about this topic than she is. And she doesn't actually even tell us anything about psychoanalysis. She weirdly departs a lot from psychoanalysis, which is her main lens when she goes into this space. So this is the damage. This is what I'm going to talk about. This is the main point of this episode, um, which I have finally gotten to after 20 minutes. This is the damage that has been done by quarantining sex and treating it as a special phenomenon of human existence before we treat it as a constitutive phenomena of human existence. So what I mean by that is there's nothing special about sex at all. It's just a part of being. It's like conversation. It's like eating. It's a part of being human. And we know this is so because humans are created by sex, 
Okay, so this isn't, I'm not just making some inherent claim about, you know, like some essentialist claim. We are here because sex creates us. Now, I understand that that's a certain kind of sex. Um, There's a certain way of viewing sex. But the sexual act, uh, the that kind of commingling is necessary to create other human beings. And I don't just mean that at a biological level. We have a society arranged um, in a certain way as a result of the sex act being necessary to create more human beings. And that funnels back into uh, how we view sex, which allows us to create human beings. So this is so this is a constitutive part of our being and there's nothing special about it. Once you get to that point, once you get to the point where you understand there's nothing special about it, then you can see what is special about it. What is actually distinguished uh, from the rest of being and phenomenon, what we do with our lives. But you have to go through the lens of seeing it as not special first. That's something that sex workers really excel at. Um, they really are great at it because there's a sense of, uh, of, there can be a sense of detachment. There can be a sense of using sex for other means. So you get to witness how sex works in people's lives, in your own lives and in culture, um, with a sort of observational distance, even as you engage in it. So sex workers have a lot more to say than, you know, about sex than leftists have to say about sex work. That's for sure. And leftist sex workers are the best. I mean, they get they get to have the best of both worlds. Um, and, well, I mean, that's not to say that all sex workers like doing sex work. I'm not making that claim at all, as you will see when you read the article that I uh, co-authored with Dr. Heather Berg in Mary Jane. Um, I don't make that claim. But um, when I say the best of both worlds, I mean their sex workers are lended a certain kind of perspective that is unique and profound. And um, Mari Ruti um, has not has not been able to sort of go through this work of seeing sex as ordinary and then moving into seeing sex as extraordinary. In fact, I would say she probably um, she probably hasn't thought that much about sex at all uh, in a real way. She might have thought about her lens on sex um, but or or her projection onto sex, but really trying to see the phenomena, I don't view that as happening in her work. I want to say again, just at the end of this that I respect her. I think that there are better psychoanalytic writers than her. Um, but she has things that are worthwhile to say. And I, I have to say the sort of same thing about Sylvia Federici last episode. And it's interesting that if someone commented, oh, you always are picking on these women. Well, women are the ones that are grappling with these questions more often than men. Um, so the men are worse because they're not even trying. Um, <laughs> But the women are, are often putting themselves out there and coming to wrong conclusions. And part of that is because, as Gail Rubin, a woman who I 
agree with on almost everything, um, <laughs> says, you know, like feminism, basically, it's, it's like Marxism, it's not, it's not really capable of containing and answering every question. And we do too much uh, handing questions of sex and sexuality over to feminism, which after all, isn't really quite there to answer those questions. Uh, feminism is a, a rights sphere uh, actor, just like Marxism um, is a rights sphere actor. It can't always answer these questions. So when you approach certain questions of sex and sexuality, it's it's going to overflow. Um, it can't be contained by these lenses. It needs its own discipline. That's what I've been trying to do for a really long time is sort of see sex and sexuality on its own terms as if I had uh, engaged somehow in its own discipline, which does not exist except maybe for pornography. Um, if we could really engage with and talk about pornography through pornography, uh, that is in some ways the discipline of sex and other forms of sex work are as well. Um, so anyway, it, you know, I, I'd say all that at the end, just to say like, look, I'm not picking on Mari Ruti, um, who has made contributions so much as I am picking on this pocket of her consciousness and her work that fails her that doesn't live up to the rest of her thinking. And really is, is to, I mean this in a literal sense, repulsive um, to someone who's a sex worker or somebody who's been thinking about sex really deeply and especially pornography really deeply for a long time and not from a hetero porn, uh, as if that's a word, uh, standpoint. So... Um, that's this episode. I really like the temptation to go on and on and on is there, but um, I'm getting up to a half hour and I want to keep these episodes a little shorter. Please uh, comment um, in the comment field um, when I post this on my Patreon. Um, if you are a patron, if you're not a patron, sign up and be a part of my Patreon. And you're welcome to comment anyway, but what happened last time was like people were commenting with like disagreements and what they didn't like, like really it would be nice like if you worked on principles of resonance, um, if you heard something that was interesting to you, you were curious about and you brought that up rather than I don't agree with this or I don't agree with that um, or, you know, whatever it is, because that kind of conversation, I think, is really inspiring to creating community, which is something I want to do with my work in general. Well, actually, I, I really hate the word community, but it's a stand-in for uh, until I come up with a better word. Um, <laughs> uh, but really creating a community. Um, <laughs> we'll shelf that uh, discussion for now. Um, and especially if you're not signed up for the Patreon, um, I would really love, <laughs> love you to engage in that way. Um, and if you are Mari Ruti and listening to this, send me an email because I appreciate a lot of your work, but that chapter was really bad. <laughs> and I think that we could have a productive and comradely uh, discussion about it. Um, all right. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great Saturday.